look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the Football Morning in America mini-podcast. This is week three of the National Football League season. I'm recording this podcast at about 4 a.m. Eastern time in my home in Brooklyn, New York. So let's go over a few things in the few minutes we have together uh, that I found interesting about week three in the NFL. And first, we're going to start off, I led my column with... uh, Daniel Jones, the New York Giants, number one draft choice, who had a marvelous game. Uh, The Giants got a little lucky uh, with some special teams miscues uh, by the Bucs, and they won the game 32-31. But what I usually do on on this podcast is uh, I read the lead to my column, and then I highlight a few other things. Just sort of gives you a little taste of what the column is like, and then hopefully... You will go to either Pro Football Talk, uh, where my column is a fixture, or to NBCSports.com, where you can also find my column. It's also linked on Twitter, at Peter underscore King. So, let's get going with the the lead of my column this week uh, on the extraordinary events in Tampa on Sunday led by Giants quarterback, rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones. Speech! Speech! In the visitors' locker room in Tampa Bay, Giants coach coach Pat Shermer, the badgered and ridiculed one, had just handed the game ball to rookie quarterback Daniel Jones, the badgered and ridiculed one, and the room erupted with cheers for Jones who debuted marvelously in succeeding the local football jeter, Eli Manning. Giants 32, Bucks 31. Now his 52 teammates wanted to hear from him. Speech, come on! Quick shake of the head from the grinning Jones, as if he was saying, I won't be making any locker room speeches, thank you. Break us down, DJ! Safety Jabril Peppers yelled, holding his right arm aloft as the centerpiece for a team cheer. Jones said, Giants on three. One, two, three. Giants. Doing a rah-rah team thing was so much better than a speech for Jones, who, like the man he succeeded, isn't much of a speech maker. But when you play the way he did Sunday, two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns, including the winning scamper from seven yards out with a minute 21 left. You can be as quiet as you want. This is not a great Giants team. In fact, it's probably not even a good one. Time will tell. 
but you have your quarterback and you can build around that quarterback, or if you have your quarterback, excuse me, uh, and you can build around that quarterback, life is just better, and you feel like you're a competing NFL franchise. Winning eight of the previous 34 games with a 38-year-old quarterback who'd been mediocre at best for the last seven seasons made the future seem consistently dim. Aside from loyal ex-teammates, who would say things like, oh, it's not Eli's fault, Shermer turning to Jones seemed not only long overdue, but almost merciful toward Manning. It's incredible how fast fortunes can change in the NFL. In the second quarter, Jones faked an inside RPO and kept it, running around right end for a seven-yard touchdown. Trailing 28-10 coming out of halftime, Jones zinged the first pass of the third quarter to tight end Evan Ingram up the left sideline. A 75-yard TD resulted. Then, with his top wideout Sterling Shepard double-covered in the end zone, Jones threw a line drive to a diving Shepard where only he could catch it. Touchdown. And it came down to this. Bucks up 31-25, a minute 21 to go. Giants ball at the Tampa 7, fourth and five. Shermer planned to flood the field with five receivers, three wides, a back, and a tight end. With, H pass ca- with ace pass-catching back, Saquon Barkley on crutches with a high ankle sprain, the Giants were left flat. But all five receivers <coughs> had to, pardon me, but all five receivers had to do their roles on this last play for the play to work. At the snap, they moved away from the middle of the field, running back Wayne Gallman to the right flat. Shepard to the left flat. Whiteout Benny Fowler on a left-to-right crossing route. Ingram taking two Bucks defenders on a simple out route to the left, two yards deep in the end zone. And rookie Darius Slayton trolling the back of the end zone. Seven Buck defenders total clung to five Giants. I asked Jones an hour after the game, what did you see at that moment when those receivers were in their roots? Space, Jones said, kind of open there in the middle of the field. I saw green. When Jones emerged from the scrum, he might have been able to hit Slayton, running from right to left, nine yards deep in the end zone, with corner Carlton Davis in pursuit, but with a little window. But why throw? With northern New Jersey and Staten Island and Brooklyn and Manhattan and Yonkers and Queens and upstate New York and Greenwich and Stamford and Danbury all screaming at their TVs, run, Daniel, run. He ran straight ahead in the central park of open NFL spaces. No buck was within six yards of him when he crossed the goal line. I heard that the Giants didn't intend for the play to evolve into an easy touchdown run there, but whatever the intent, the reality looked genius. Luckily for the Giants, Bucks kicker Matt Gay 
played along with the tabloid storyline, missing a 34-yard go-to-the-week ensuring field goal at the gun. The final, Giants 32, Bucks 31. The sleepy franchise in New Jersey has life. This morning, the back page of the New York Post blares, New Man in Town. Watching him Sunday, you saw quarterback of the present and the future. Eli Manning's had seven rushing touchdowns in a 15-year career. Jones had two in three hours, and one was on a designed run. His arm was accurate and crisp. He had a good feel for the pocket on Sunday and for sensing pressure. You've probably heard how much like Manning Jones is, and that's true. They're both overly humble, and those close to them say neither is acting. When I asked Jones about the help he got from Manning this week, he said, his support is something I'm super grateful for. His biggest message to me was to keep it simple, not try to be perfect, not try to get the perfect call or the perfect check every time. Just get on the same page. Be clear in the huddle, be confident, and go with it. That was tremendous advice. I'm a first-year first player. I need that. Said Shermer, he's mature beyond all of our years. The Giants will take that into an uncertain future, but a future much more promising after week three than after week two. Then I go into the highs and lows of week three. I say that if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, he's going to waltz away with his second straight MVP. Here's the amazing thing about Mahomes, by the way. His quarterback rating is, is 19 points ahead of anybody in the league. He's a 72% passer. He is averaging 398 passing yards a game in the first three weeks. Ten touchdowns, no picks. I tell a story about what happened at a team meeting Saturday night. It's kind of cool. Andy Reid passed Chuck Knoll on the all-time wins list with his 210th win. But of course, even Andy knows, the big one is the Super Bowl wins. And in that one, Knoll has a 4 to nothing lead. The Jalen Ramsey trade market seems to have cooled. And then I just go into some events of the league um, around, uh, you know, on, on Sunday. Who's up? Who's down? Uh, I have a section, take your time, Cam, don't hurry back. Um, Cam Newton had struggled, obviously, the first two weeks. And Kyle Allen, his backup, came back to his hometown. He's from Scottsdale, Arizona. And in Phoenix, uh, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers came in and won their season-saving first game of the year. I'm going to read you one other part of one other section of the column. It is about Gardner Minshew, the new quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and some stuff I found out about him this weekend. Here we go. It is headlined, Minshew and Saban, almost. Following the Jaguars' season-saving 27 victory, 20-7 victory over Tennessee Thursday, one glorious storyline of this Antonio-scarred NFL season jumped to the fore. Sixth-round rookie quarterback Gardner Minshew of Jacksonville 
might really be a heck of a player. And what a story he is, too. From 2015 to 2018, Minshew crisscrossed the country in a quest from Troy University in Alabama to Northwest Mississippi Community College to East Carolina to Washington State. And this quest was to find a starting quarterback job at the highest level he could find. Even in his two years at East Carolina, he never won the starting job outright. It's kind of amazing to think today that instead of being a rising star, maybe in the NFL, he could either be backing up Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama or he could be working at a, as a graduate assistant offensive coach on the Alabama staff under Nick Saban. Set a source close to the Alabama program, Nick really wanted him as a backup in 2018 in case Jalen Hurts or Tua transferred after spring ball, depending on which one lost the starting job. Then Nick would have kept him as a GA because he probably wouldn't have gotten into the NFL, Minshew, and because Gardner wanted to get into coaching whenever it was that he stopped playing. And I go on to detail... Uh, I go on to detail something that just I found incredibly odd. Washington State had an uncertain quarterback year in 2018 following the suicide of likely starter Tyler Helinski. Washington State coach Mike Leach told me on Sunday night that if Helinski lived, then we're not chasing a quarterback. A couple of weeks after Saban wooed Minshew, Leach offered him a strong chance to come to Pullman and win the starting job. As Leach told me, quote, my quote to him was, do you want to go to Alabama and hold a clipboard, or do you want to come here and lead the nation in passing? End quote. It didn't take long for Minshew to take Leach's offer. So now... I think Minshew is going to be such an interesting person to follow down the stretch of this season, however long he plays. Um, I mean, and who knows what will happen. If he plays like he did on Thursday night uh, for a few more weeks, who knows what happens when Nick Foles comes back. So we'll see. I do a section on the Eli Manning Hall of Fame debate and dilemma. I've got my players of the week. Uh... I've got my profile this week on Ryan O'Callaghan. You may have heard of him. He's an author and a former lineman for the Patriots and Chiefs. Um, he, in 2017, came out as gay. And uh, he's got a harrowing, harrowing story about how he planned to kill himself because he just thought that his parents would never understand that their macho football son was gay. Um, it's on my podcast this week, the Peter King podcast, which uh, I think you'd enjoy, but you'd also enjoy this uh, bit that I have in my column, this section this year that I call The Profile. Um, I guess the only other thing I would like to uh, get into just a little bit, uh, <laughs> I always do a best and the worst, what a player's best habit, what a player's worst habit is. So I got Cooper Cup of the Rams to tell me his best habit and worst habit. 
and here they are. What's your best habit, Cooper Cup? Moving forward. In life and football, you face adversity. It's inevitable. To be able to move forward on that and to be able to learn from things and not make those mistakes again is something I pride myself on. All right, Cooper Cup, what's your worst habit? The phone. I'm probably on my phone too much. My wife's helping me out with that one. When I come home from the facility, just to be able to put my phone down, let it be until the next day is a good thing. It's also helped a ton having a child. My son is 14 months old. To be able to come home to, <clears throat> and to come home to my wife too. So that's my best and worst for the week. Now finally, my adieu haiku this week. Moral of story. Simple. Antonio Brown is not a good person. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my uh, Football Morning in America mini podcast for week three of the NFL season. I really hope you're enjoying these podcasts. If you want to talk to me about them or comment on them, please send me a note at peterkingfmia at gmail.com or send me a comment on my Twitter feed. It's at Peter underscore King. Thanks a lot for listening, and I really hope you read my column today. It's a long one, but there's some fun stuff in there. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>